0: This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. Every leader needs an intentional plan to see transformation take place in their organization. The Kingdom Leadership Workshop exists to help you build that plan. Learn more at www.kingdomatwork.com/events. kingdomatwork.com/events.
1: Thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broad t- broadcast to you from Chicago, Illinois, the windy city, and we're actually doing it in the morning. Just, yes, this is a recorded show, just so you know, because we had to capture a whole bunch of people before they leave from the Faith and Work Summit here in Chicago, but boy, have we got some great interviews for you today. Martha, first, how people can get a hold of us online.
2: Well, they can go to our website, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com, the and there, Jim, um, they're going to find a lot of resources, and one of the things I just really want to point out is that when people hear us list the name of maybe some ministry or some author or some book or or something that piques their interest, if they search it on our podcast, they can go back and hear full shows. They can also um, actually find those website links and things like that that can help resource them and take them even deeper in this walk and in, in their journey of living out their faith in their work.
1: I love that. Make sure you contact us, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com. All right, first up on the show today, Tom. Tom Nelson, pastor of a community church in Kansas. I'll let him tell you all about it. But he's also in charge of Made to Flourish. You've heard us talk about it many, many, many times on the air. Made MadeToFlourish.org, an organization for pastors to help them understand what we talk about here every day on I Work For Him. Tom Nelson, welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim and Martha, it's great to be with you. You know, we love your books, Work Matters and The Economics of Neighborly Love. Those are fantastic books, Work Matters. I love to give that book out. And I don't want to talk all about your books today. I really want to get an update, but I want to make sure people know. If you want a great book on how to introduce any of your friends to the faith and work idea, Work Matters is fantastic. Also a great book to give your pastor. The Economics of Neighborly Love is one you talked about many times here at the conference this weekend. Talk about that book really quick. What's that book about?
3: Yeah, well, Jim... What happened to me was I had this massive shift about my own work and all of our work mattering. And the first book is really your work and my work mattering to God. But then I realized that the Bible also talks about our work, our collective work. And that's really the economy. I mean, economics sounds big and fancy, but once we're a community, how we exchange value and serve one another in love is really economics. So I'm just trying to write a book that help people understand, not in graphs and all the technical technical aspects of economics, but to understand that uh, I'm not isolated in my work and how I love my neighbor, both locally and globally, is really tied to my work. So I'm just going what I'd say from me to we, that God wants us to not only do good me work, but good we work.
1: Talk to us about your church. Twenty years ago, you, you, you came before your church and said, "Listen, I've been committing—I've yeah. committed pastoral malpractice. I haven't been equipping you to do the work that you do in the mission field each and every day." I don't want to go back through that whole story. What's the name of your church again? Christ Community Church. Christ Community right. Church. It's in Kansas City, Missouri. No, it's in Kansas City, Kansas Overland City, Lund, Kansas. Park. Overland right? Park. Right. We have
3: five campuses. Yeah. So yeah, five I camp. All right,
2: pick one.
1: <laughs> How do people find
3: you online? What's the website? It's, it's
1: ChristCommunityKC.org.
2: ChristCommunityKC.org. Christ
3: Christ
1: Perfect. That's what I want to make sure people. Heard you kind of, you work at the forefront of introducing this whole idea to pastors. Talk to us about what's going on in your church and how that understanding of connecting faith and we're connecting what we hear on Sunday with what we do under 95, how that has transformed your church in the last 20 years.
3: Yeah, I did stand before my congregation and, and express my pastoral malpractice, and that was 20-some years ago. Mm-hmm. So since that time, we've thought much more about we call it equipping people for Monday or we call, talk about a church for Monday. What does a church for Monday look like? And uh, so even at Christ Community, we're continuing to ask that question, and people around the country are asking that question, because many pastors, you know, Sunday does matter. Pastors need to do well on Sunday, but most of our focus, our scorecard, we all have scorecards, right, is really about how well we do on Sunday, Uh, and that that matters, but what really matters biblically is how well our people do on Monday, Mm -hmm. and that shifts the paradigm, the praxis, what we do in terms of equipping people for their Monday life, and of course, work is a major part of that. It's not the only part. Relationships and rest and recreation, but work really matters there, so we're thinking a lot about... What does it mean to connect Sunday to Monday, but also to bring Monday back into Sunday? Let me just give you one thing that's happening around the country that I really love because when churches really understand this and pastors and leaders understand this, the Sunday morning experience changes too. Not that we don't teach God's word and sing songs, but one element that is increasingly happening around the country is a thing called this time tomorrow. And this time tomorrow is just simply a, a short interview with people in the congregation. It can be a mechanic. It can be a CEO. It can be a retiree. It can be a child, a student, um, And there's three questions are asked, like, tell me in front of the congregation, Mm -hmm. what are you doing this time tomorrow? Secondly, what are the joys and challenges as a follower of Jesus in that? And third, how can we pray for you? And I have to tell you that when people do that as a part of a corporate worship service, I mean, people can sleep
1: through my sermon, Jim and Martha. (laughs) They don't sleep through that five minute moment. I bet they don't. It's transformational. What's the most powerful testimony somebody shared from the the story or from the pulpit or from the uh, the stage? I, I think it'd be a student. Okay. you know, a student who is not paid but
3: is understanding their studies and the importance of that stewardship. Yeah. Um, I think everybody was just amazed when a teenager talked about this time tomorrow and how God had called them in the school, in their preparation, in their study. It was just amazing.
2: That is great because I know we talk Absolutely. about that a lot. Is the fact that you know it's not necessarily a paid Correct. position, students. Work, their schooling is their workplace. Moms, their, right. their, their workplace is their home at this point in time. So um, for our listeners, if you're just tuned in, we are talking with Tom Nelson from Made to Flourish and um, just excited about this organization that helps pastors peer-to-peer have this conversation that um, you know, if Jim were beating on the pastor's doors, they may not be ready to hear. Well,
1: they'd probably get their gun out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Tom, you have a great place um, and a great place. Platform for this, and so we want to just encourage our listeners that if this is an, an intriguing conversation to them, that they check out majorflourish. and share that resource with their pastors in a loving way.
3: That's yeah, a, in a loving way. It's a great uh, <laughs> opportunity for people to find resources and other friends around the country. We are yes. now in twenty four cities, so they're loose networks building of
1: pastors to help each other in Excellent. this. So, so talk to the talk to the people out there listening today, Tom Nelson, uh, that are going. I want my pastor to understand that I want a church that's, that's a church from Monday, that I want I want to hear from my other brothers and sisters that I'm sitting here in the, the pews with. I want to hear how they're living out their faith in their work. I want a this-time-tomorrow segment. How do they approach mm. a pastor without being offensive, without it coming across as, I want a new program? Right, and so since I'm a pastor, um, my
3: world, sometimes many... Wonderful people come to me on a regular basis and they want to do this, 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 and this, right? Mm -hmm. So I think just to understand that pastors sometimes get a lot of things that people say, we need to do this, this, and this. Um, But I think you approach it to say either a good resource that's changed your life, you know, a book or I love books or a video or a podcast. I mean... That, that I've received well. It's not like this is my agenda. Like this is really something that I'd love for you to read if you have time, pastor. The other thing is introducing them to the Major Flourish Network because a national conference or a conversation in their area uh, is a great place to say, I know this conversation is going around and some really thoughtful pastors. And pastors often look to other pastors, especially tribal leaders, to follow. So if sure. somebody else like Pastor So-and-So is involved with this, they go, oh, Maybe I should be involved as well. So it is an important approach at Humbly, uh, not in a critical way, but to say, this is something I know other churches and other pastors are doing, and I think it would really benefit us to think more about this, and this is made to flourish, or this is a pastor in our area that I know
1: you'd respect, that I know is involved in this conversation. Something like that might be helpful. Well, home. and if honestly, if the person listening reads your book, Work Matters, yeah. and, then go, then, and then they could easily give that to their pastor and go, I just read this book. This was incredible. I, I bought you a copy. Because it it really introduces people to that. It's a great book for pastors to read that is not in your face. It is like, this is what it's all about. And you know, you guys have been such champions for this, but Work
3: Matters is arranged in such a way that it gives the biblical story But it also, many pastors around the country have used it as a foundation for a sermon series. Because Mm -hmm. we talk about work as it was created to be, work as it's corrupted, work as it's redeemed, work as it will one day be, and then Jesus the Carpenter. Very few people have ever heard a message on Jesus the Carpenter. So I'm saying Work Matters is a good book individually, and again, I'm not just trying to promote it for that sake, but it's a great introduction to how you would form a message series around Mm -hmm. the biblical story. And many pastors have used that as a
1: basis. Well, and you saw Jesus the Carpenter, I I always say people, when was the last time you heard a sermon on Jesus and the 30 years he was an entrepreneur yes. before he became yes. an itinerary preacher. Or how about Jesus' reputation in the marketplace? Yes. Because if he wasn't excellent in what he did, he would have been. The Pharisees and Sadducees would have chewed him up and spit him up. The, the fake yep, news media yep. would have eaten him alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. think
2: there was fake news even back then? <laughs> yes, I believe there was fake news.
1: Whitewashed tombs is what he called them. It was a little different. Talk to us, Tom. Just be, speak in 30 seconds. encouragement to those people listening today about living their faith out in their work. Well, I just want to say God created you to work. Mm-hmm. Jesus is there with you
3: in your work. And your work isn't meant to be an act of worship the place of work whether we're paid or not paid is the primary place we worship God we're spiritually formed and an opportunity for the gospel and for loving others so your work matters Jesus is with you in your work um, and I want to encourage you even though it's hard that God has placed you there
1: Mm -hmm. you can find Tom Nelson online ChristCommunityKC.org also MadeToFlourish.org get a copy of his book where can people get your book Work Matters is that on Amazon or where do they get it Amazon any Christian bookstore and it's Work Matters by Tom Nelson. Make sure you put that in because there's lots of books under those names. Tom Nelson's got another book, The Economics of Neighborly Love, another great book. Tom Nelson, thanks for coming back And I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim and Martha. It's great to be with this you. This segment of the show, we're going to talk to Nancy McDonald. She's got an incredible ministry going on in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Wow, a little hard to work this morning. My lips are moving <laughs> slow, but my brain is not. All right, Value of the Person Consultants is what it's called, valueoftheperson.com. Nancy McDonald, welcome to I Work For Him.
4: Thank you so much so much. It's great to be here and what a great time we've had here at the conference. It's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun,
1: a lot of fun. And as we finish up in mm-hmm. Chicago, I wanted to make sure that we had a little bit of time together. Okay. And then one day we're going to do a show together to talk all about your ministry, but let's just let's tickle people. But first, how did you come to be a follower of Jesus? We always ask that question of every guest on our show.
4: Well, I grew up in a Presbyterian church, and I actually accepted Christ at a Billy Graham Crusade in Pittsburgh.
2: Ah, and that very was, cool.
4: Yes, that's how I really came to know Him. I was grew up in the church, and um, but I can remember that moment and that time. I was um, probably in high school at that time, so that's where I accepted Christ. Okay,
1: let's just jump right to valueoftheperson.com. And with the ministry that you guys are doing, talk to us about what you're doing. What's going on in Pittsburgh that... You got some really cool stuff going on.
4: Yes. Well, we we actually are based out of Pittsburgh, but really we reach out everywhere, all over the country and really? Canada. Really, excellent. Yes. You go to Canada, eh? Yeah. Wow, a, okay. Yes. Winnipeg. <laughs> I just came back from Winnipeg, Canada. Some great things happening there. Wow. Um, but what we do is um, we've been really blessed um, to be able to spread what we call value of the person principles of love and dignity and respect. And so we work with organizations and companies, we work mm-hmm. in factories and foundries, but the great thing with what we do is we work with employees, with managers to mm-hmm. say, how do we build a culture of relationships and really how do we love each other in the workplace? And so that's really the essence of it. And. Um, that's what we're doing.
1: Okay, so is this typical? typically in uh, union-based environments, or is this in any mm-hmm. kind of a organizational environment?
4: Well, you know, we, we've had been privileged to work in union environments as well as uh, non-union. Uh, we work in hospitals, um, you know, and uh, we work with, uh, you know, labor uh, and with unions and mm-hmm. with non-union. So it's really, it doesn't matter if it's a union organization or a non-union organization, people are people and need to be loved. And so if you have a union, um, that's okay because you still can come together mm-hmm. as people and to make your organization work and to make it work for the people there.
1: It's kind of weird to talk about love and unions and managers. Talk to us about the how does this work.
4: Well, I tell you what, you know, with with the union organizations, um, you know, I always have said that um, unions have come into an organization because the people there did not feel like they were being valued. Oh,
1: say that again. And so... No, say that again. So well, is that, you said that the unions have typically come in and been accepted and voted upon by labor... Because they don't feel valued and, and, and really appreciated.
4: Absolutely. And so really, you know, that is the, the reason why they have come in. That's the only way they can come. And they come to serve the people to say, you need to treat our people better. And so that's, if that is needed to happen, it doesn't mean if a union has been in that organization that you still can't bring together. And so you just operate with um, you know the union principles and the union um, operation Mm -hmm. and you have management but you still can come together and work together and respect each other you know the union president in a plant is as important as the plant manager and so now the union just gives a structure so it doesn't matter if it's there you still need to come together and to love each other and build relationships and actually i can only imagine that it actually works better
2: If they're actually getting, you know, being able to have communication because they value each other. Yes,
4: absolutely. It definitely works better. And unions are not evil. You Mm -hmm. know, we need to stop thinking that. I mean, they're... The uh, media
1: kind of feeds out a little bit. Oh, they do.
4: Absolutely. And so... I've been privileged to have grown up in a union family, Mm -hmm. and so my my grandfather was a coal miner. Sure. And, um, you know, so, but that's all right. The thing is, it doesn't matter if my role is a plant manager or my role is... a doctor or my role as an administrator or my role as um, a union president or I'm a vice president or I'm a committeeman. It doesn't matter. We're still people. We need to build relationships to make things work for one another. And so love is the key. And um, we talk about dignity and we talk about respect with the value of the person. We all, every viewer, or viewer, every listener out there, I'm sorry. Yeah, we don't do viewing (laughs) because I was told I had a
1: face for radio. Yeah,
4: every listener out there desperately wants to be treated with value and with love and dignity and respect. There is no one who doesn't want that. It's who we are. It's how God made us. And so we all want that. How can we come together and make that our point of focus? Not everything that divides us. And so whether you have uh, a union organization, a non-union organization, it doesn't matter. You need to come together on what we can agree on. And that is that we all want to be treated with love and dignity and respect. So Mm. how does that need to look in in our organizations?
1: All right. So let's talk about how does that need to look. I mean, when you come into an organization... Somebody calls you and says, hey, we've, we've got, why do they call you? I mean, what, what do they say? What is their typical statement? Going? We have this problem, which is why we need you, Nancy, and your team at valueoftheperson.com.
4: Well, we get, we get called in because people, organizations, especially this time um, of the season of our environment, mm-hmm. is that um, people are looking to the big buzzword now is culture how do we yes, build a great culture and so that is what we help them do to build a culture of relationships and that requires that you take the roles off that you may have in your company and you begin to come together on okay let that that purpose has to be as important in in terms of our style of how we act with one another as it is one in quality and safety and and productivity Mm. it has to be on the same level so we help work with people with that and we do seminars um, we do workshops um, we customize but we're really looking to be in organizations that that don't want to put a program in because value the person is not about putting a program Mm. in we challenge the people of that company or that organization we challenge them they're in that unit to be the best that they can be and to for them to to make it theirs and so we help guide we inspire we have a documentary film that was based on the value of the person back in the 70s in a union steel steel mill how people came together and and we're very blessed that it's been documented. It was my father actually, who was the head of that company. Mm-hmm. There was great transformation, is a beautiful story. And there's a book written about him stronger than steel. And so we really base out of that truth. It's not out of academia that we were coming to you. We know that when people's hearts are touched, and spirit is unlocked within an, a company, an environment there, that great things can happen. But mm-hmm. it's not because you're going to have a check-the-box program that's right. going to make it happen.
1: But this is all, I mean, it, this is kind of a plain glass approach because you guys are Christ followers. Yes. You, the, the motivation behind this is that people need to be loved. And if they mm-hmm. don't feel loved, they're never going to be able to find Jesus. And, and, and But you're mm-hmm. you're spreading something that comes from God. Yet it, yet a lot. I imagine a lot of the managers, a lot of the companies you work with, don't realize that. Hey, this whole love thing really is centered on Jesus, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But do, do they all? Do all the companies you go into know that?
4: Well, we go into. I work in all secular companies. Right. Every now and then, I'm able to work in an organization that is Christ-based. But I work with. Just but there's a lot of phenomenal old, secular organizations that have absolutely. great Christ followers that in charge. Right, and that's what happens. Okay. We go in and we. We spread seeds of love Got it. and we ignite that within people to begin to feel and understand that all love is of God, period. Mm-hmm. That was
1: your tweetable tweet the other night when you were
4: speaking. Yes, that all, all love, love is, God. is of God. And so because of that, I see that we are able to bring that presence to mm-hmm. people to begin to think about that and to begin to think about what they do. And it's the Holy Spirit that then works in His way. It's not me to control that. I am called to spread and to, to spread seeds of love.
1: Who is the perfect client for you in 30 seconds or less?
4: Right now, it is Amstead Rail, and it is American Steel Foundry in St. Louis. They are doing remarkable things, beautiful things. And it is truly a huge story there.
1: Fantastic, Nancy McDonald. People can get a hold of you online at valueoftheperson.com, valueoftheperson.com. Appreciate what you're doing. The Thank fact you that you're so much you're just you're just spreading love. I love absolutely. that absolutely. And, and if you can get <laughs> managers and labor in a union shop to work together, and even in non union shops to get just people to appreciate each other, that is just a right. huge win win. And mm-hmm. it's all
4: about doing what is right, building relationships, and as a byproduct, great things happen. Amen. Thank you, Nancy Thank McDonald, you. for being on. We are are here at the
2: Faith at Work Summit, and um, it has just been as our listeners are hearing all of the different interviews. I know that they are being encouraged by the different um, direction that the conversations are going because of the people that are here, and but they all have one passion, and that's helping to connect faith and work. In whatever their sphere might be.
1: All right. And now a returning guest that we ran into right Woo-hoo. here in Chicago, Illinois, Charlie Self. Charlie was on a show. I can't remember if you were on a, on a Love 2020 show or if it was a Made to Flourish show. Do you remember?
5: It was a Love 2020. It was a, that's what I, I thought. Yeah. So excited about that vision. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we're and that's about ready to regain a whole bunch of momentum here really quick. Charlie Self, let's just remind our listeners, what do
5: you do on a daily basis? Well, I'm the director of city expansion for Made to Flourish, and uh, we just love working with you in fulfilling the Great Commission. But my job is to help create new city networks of pastors who want to connect Sunday faith and Monday work, that mm-hmm. want to integrate the kind of message you've been sharing with their congregation. So the discipleship and mission and daily work are seen as worship and as part of the witness for the Lord. So,
1: Okay. I, I get that and, and I've, I think our audiences thinks that's
5: fantastic. so let's put that into feet on the, feet on the ground yeah. because you but you also teach it don't you teach at a university somewhere too? I teach at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. I'm the church historian and I teach on discipleship leadership and missions and we want to infuse this same kind of thinking for so that 100% of God's people are on mission daily And you know you made the comment let's put feet on the ground of this. We want yeah. people waking up. No matter how difficult their task is, whether they're paid or unpaid, seen or unseen, we want them waking up, Colossians 3.17, whatever they do in word or deed, we want them doing it all for the glory of God. And in Philippians... 12 to 16, Paul says, when you're out in that real world, you shine like stars in a, in a, in a difficult generation. So we're excited about it. We focus on helping pastors in in the in the lit, in the the language of their worship and their discipleship and their mission and their leadership, but we want all of God's people mobilized. Okay, so how do we do this? Can you give an example? Now, you've yes. been involved in this movement for a number
1: of years already. Give me an example of a church where you've seen this put into action, where you've seen the pastor's mind be transformed to understand that his role was really, instead of equipping people to do ministry within the four walls of the church, equipping them to do the ministry in the 95% of their lives they live outside of the the church and what that's done in their church. I mean, how that's transformed their community and their church community.
5: Well, let me give you a couple of simple examples. On a Mm -hmm. Sunday morning, more and more churches are just interviewing their congregants, asking a simple question, what are you going to do this time tomorrow? And you imagine over yes. time, they're not only blessing the foreign missionaries that's going out to the field or the, the local uh, leader that's going out in the field, but they're blessing the dry cleaner. They're blessing the homeschooling mom. They're blessing the entrepreneur. They're blessing the laborer. That's a simple thing in the church. Then we're watching churches start to incubate businesses. Start no to, way. Yes.
1: Give me, come on, give me Mason, the name of
5: a church. Mason, Ohio Grace Chapel. Pastor Jeff Greer has he's been one one of our made to flourish leaders and loves what we're doing. Mm-hmm. He works with Chuck Proudfit with uh, at work on purpose. Yes. And uh, block by block, house by house, they're they're creating ways for businesses to start, and then those businesses give back and help other businesses start. Is that in the Orca Center? Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, we that, visited there cuz we were there yes. in, earlier this year. And Jeff's one of our dear friends, but if you go to life if you go to Life in Deep Ellum in the middle of Dallas, Texas. This funky little neighborhood, this little squat building in the middle, you'll find Rachel and Joel Triska there. They have an art gallery. They have a coffee shop that actually makes money. They are incubating businesses, helping nonprofits. And then on the second story on Sunday, they gather for worship as well. And it's, they go, we're going to, we're going to expand God's kingdom by improving our community. That's their passion. And it's getting flourishing churches to realize that with its members mobilized, their communities begin to change. Mm.
2: so how so for our listeners if this gets them excited gets their heart beating a little bit what what's next steps? What how do they do they connect with you to learn more about how they can do that in their own community? Absolutely,
5: MadeToFlourish.org dot org is the website. Anyone can subscribe, sign on, mm-hmm. and and receive the the insights that come on that website. Pastors in particular can sign and we'll get special resources to help jumpstart this in their congregation. We're folk we're focused on the local church. Mm-hmm. We still think it's Plan A and Jesus economy. It was his only plan. That's and, right. Uh, and, and we and we focus on pastors not. Because we feel like clergy are superior. Uh, obviously, we want everyone mobilized for mission. Mm-hmm. But because they have a particular responsibility, yes. because their language and the worldview they convey and the leadership they give, churches have this this ability to be a catalyst and a convener and help bring people together for the community. And I could give so many more stories. Well, of, give a couple more. Okay. Come on, we want to hear them. We can, we can, we can take you. Um, we can take you to um, Dayton, Ohio, okay. Fairhaven Church. Uh, one of our Made to Flourish leaders, Kirk Lithander, has helped to lead. He's one of the team pastors there. And they have poverty alleviation um ministries that are doing amazing work as they're graduating people after one to two years from complete dependence to to self-sufficiency and generosity. Mm. But it takes a whole team that they're mobilizing scores of volunteers who can give an hour or two or three a week to help a single parent, to help someone who's been left behind. I can take you to Miami, Florida, where 95% of the businesses in Miami are owned by five or fewer people. Mm -hmm. And the churches struggle at times because it's a dynamic environment. And we're beginning to make some inroads where the pastors are now praying for and blessing the businesses of these folks who've come from all over the world. And so place after place, Um, in Silicon Valley, they're wrestling with artificial intelligence and and, and pastors are bringing everything from service workers to venture capitalists together. How do we have sustainable life in Silicon Valley when your one bedroom apartment's $3,000 a month? We're taking on gentrification you know, you heard the term and yes. we, we love when neighborhoods well, tell our audience what gentrification I, I want to really give is. you an explanation we love it when neighborhoods improve we love it when people come in and revitalize the neighborhood but often that means exile for long-standing residents Right. so as property values go up as things improve what do we do to create an environment where long-standing residents can feel a part of it and things can keep improving and so our pastors are getting engaged in that mm-hmm. we're, we're 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 watching in Detroit wait, we're watching churches mobilize and we're not responsible for all of this, but many of our members are involved. They're getting reading tutors for every second and third grader through mobilizing hundreds of churches. If you get kids young, yeah. there's hope for the future. Uh, one of our affiliated friends is working on creating rent to own houses in some of the burned out blocks of Detroit. And so and there's I've a, heard there's a lot of those. There, there's a lot of those. And they're creating small houses. The people can come in they have to be responsible. But within five to seven years, they can own them.
0: Oh, and then wow. they can
5: begin to work their way up the economic uh, opportunity ladder, as it were. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of initiatives. Here's the, here's kind of the aha that I hope our listeners will get together. It's wonderful to do the work of the church together. It's wonderful to make sure our Sunday schools are filled, our community outreaches are done. But if every member feels like an ambassador all day, every day, where they are, that the volunteer work, the business work that they're doing is truly God's work in the world, Mm -hmm. um, it flips everything on its head a little bit now we start celebrating new businesses we start celebrating evangelism we start celebrating community restoration reconciliation and what's interesting pastors are finding the more they bless the daily work mm-hmm. the more they can call on volunteers for the work that they do need in the church interesting and, and that it's, it's it's a bit of a paradox but mm-hmm. if you feel like your daily work's secular Mm -hmm. and my Christian work in the church is spiritual, you'll always be getting reluctant volunteers. Mm -hmm. But if you feel on mission wherever you are and whatever you're doing, and that the work itself is meaningful, then when the pastor does need a few more nursery workers or needs a few more youth workers, people have the margin and the energy because they feel on mission all day. We're talking with Charlie Self, madetoflourish.org,
1: madetoflourish.org.
5: Charlie, which part of the country do you live in? I actually live in Denver now.
1: Denver? So you moved. Weren't you in like Oklahoma or Kansas or Missouri or something like I that? I was
5: actually in Silicon Valley. You were in California? I teach in Springfield, <coughs> Missouri. At okay, that's assembly. what it was. Yeah. Okay. And I fly in to teach there. Oh, you fly in? Yeah. Because you don't want to live there? Well, it's a family and my wife is a professional artist. Okay. And uh, the larger city and the broader culture has really been a help to her and her art. So, but now Colorado. Denver, Colorado, so that we're more central for all the travel that I do, closer to our adult children and grandchildren, awesome. new grandbabies, you know, we've, uh, last couple of years. Yay. Um, but I'm saving, I'm saving days a year and layover times just to be able to serve. No way, really. And so we love where we are, but it's brand new. Uh, I'm still on the radio in Silicon Valley. I'm still involved there, but uh, we're grateful for to wake up every day. I get to be a treasure hunter, finding new leaders, mm-hmm. helping to encourage our networks. So it's such a delight to serve the Lord. Where are you on the radio in Silicon Valley? Uh, KSFO. It's the large talk radio, conservative talk radio station. So I'm on a couple times a month as Dr. History. And my friend Brian Sussman is the host. And then occasionally the other side of the dial, owned by the same company, has me on as an expert as well uh, to talk about the current political and civil and cultural events of the day.
1: All right. There's a lot of listeners today that are going, okay, Charlie Self with made to flourish.org. I go to a church where my pastor doesn't get this and made to flourish is there to train pastors. But how do I get my pastor to engage in this? Because if I tell the pastor that he needs to talk to made to flourish, I don't think it's going to go so well. So how do we, as general, as you use the word congregants, I was talking about people sitting in the pews on Sunday. How do we get our pastors to, to, to engage with Made to Flourish? Because once they engage with another pastor,
5: you guys can have pastor conversations. Absolutely. Three things that come to mind. Number one, invite your pastor to come and meet you at work. Invite your pastor if possible. Now, some pastors work two or three jobs, so we want to be sensitive. But invite them to come and meet with you at work and see what you do and and pray for you in place, in Mm -hmm. proper decorum. A second thing is... You know, take uh, Tom Nelson's book, uh, The Economics of Neighborly Love, or take one of the books that you see on the Made to Flourish site and write a little note to your pastor, not as if... Work Matters, I think. Don't you think Work Matters is a better one for pastors? Well, his first book is a good intro. Both of them would be great. So Work Matters would be great. But um, I even have a little primer, Flourishing Churches and Communities, that's available. So find something you like. Or even just an article, and not, don't write a note to the pastor, you need this. <laughs> but rather, well, if you would c- connect a check to it, me- oh, no, but, I, but, but actually, what I, I just know as a pastor, when people come to me and say, you know what, this really blessed me, I'd love you. I'd What's love number you. three?
1: We're almost out of time. Okay, sorry about that.
5: And the third thing I think you can do is pray for your pastor, invite them over for coffee or dinner, and say, how do we get the whole body mobilized for mission? Because Mm. that's what pastors love.
1: All right, invite them to work. Get them a Tom Nelson book, Work Matters or The Economics of Neighborly Love. Pray for them. Invite them. Actually create a relationship with them. Have them over. Give them a free meal. Exactly. Have a conversation and let them know your passion and heart for connecting. I'm a pastor. I'll be there. Alright, fantastic. Charlie Self, made to flourish. Thank you so much for coming back on. I want to do more synergizing. We've got to do that across the nation. These stories you've got are fantastic. Mm-hmm. going to have to talk to this guy in Detroit with a rent to own homes. I love that idea. Charlie Self, thanks for being
5: back on iWork for him. It's an honor and we'll keep praying for your great mission. Martha and I are in the windy city, Chicago,
1: Illinois, as we are just finishing up our time here at the Faith and Work Summit and we've, for our final guest for the day, Chuck Proudfit with At Work On Purpose out of Cincinnati. You've heard us talk with Chuck multiple times. We love what's going on in Cincinnati, we have talked with people all across the country of the incredible things going on in Cincinnati, the Orca Center. Chuck Proudfoot, welcome back to I Work For Him. It's
0: great to be here.
1: You know, what I love is that, I mean, literally, we were in... I don't know where were we. We were in some city in the last couple of weeks, <laughs> and we were telling somebody I said, "Do you know what's going on in Cincinnati? There's a there's an incubator called the Orca Center, and this is and Chuck Profit. Have you ever talked to Chuck Proud? I mean, I, we bring you guys up in Cincinnati all the time. Well, I'm honored that
0: you do. Thank you for that.
1: So talk to me about what's the latest in Cincinnati. I, and I mean, at work on purpose. Last time we talked to you, you guys had impacted over ten thousand people in the city. But there's so much little stuff. I mean, I just heard from earlier on in the last segment we were talking talking with Charlie Self and he brought up um Jeff Greer and uh, the uh, uh, I can't what, you, what from Mason Ohio and what's going on in his church is
0: he working with you right alongside is he part of the Orca Center? So Grace Chapel is the church that hosts the Orca Center. Okay, so Center. that
1: was the parking lot we were in. Yes, okay, all right,
0: exactly. I,
1: sometimes the road miles you know, get to me. So talk to me when when you say when somebody comes up to you
0: say Ch- uh, Chuck, tell me what the Lord is doing in Cincinnati. Tell me what the first thing that comes to your mind. A next level infrastructure. And let me explain that just a little bit. I remember when you and I last had an opportunity to kind of sit down and just share the story of what's happening for us in Cincinnati, one of the things I mentioned was that in many ways we're growing more like an organism than an organization. But how do you organize an organism? How do you organize a decentralized organic network of working Christians who share a common mission, which is to be faith active at work, but in all these different ways how do you create an inclusive welcoming environment that still has an overarching goal with plenty of freedom and flexibility and yet people are coordinated and they know stuff that's going on and they help each other and that doesn't happen easily right well what's happened for us is a way of organizing that network that is kind of a next level infrastructure for us i'm really excited about it it's taking off but more than that I've been struck over the last four weeks, I've been in five different conferences speaking on this model. Awesome. And the reason people are so interested in it is because everybody is sensing the need to create a way to organize networks of working Christians that the goal is not hierarchy. The goal is flexibility. How do we create a coordinated network that isn't in a sense, hub-and-spoke, you know, where you've got some sort of a command and control structure. Right. But rather, you just have this free-flowing, big C church at work. What does it say?
1: Is it more like an amoeba as opposed to a hub-and-spoke, or is it more like a millipede? I mean, how would you describe it? Well, no, I mean, it's, it's a it great, on the yeah, it it's on a the great question. I mean, it's, it's more
0: like a millipede, because everybody's moving in the same direction, right? The way I like to talk about it is the difference between hub-and-spoke and nodes in a network. Okay. So we have a series but of... there's
1: still a server and a network, though. There's still a centralized yeah. uh, uh, data collection spot.
0: Yes, although not not with some of the models like blockchain and cryptocurrency and all that, where the whole idea is decentralized. Right. So where I'm going with this is that there is a way to organize a large number of people without a lot of uh, command and control, but rather a lot of release and watch and anticipate. Now, I know that sounds, for the listeners, that probably sounds very ethereal. It's like, well, that's great, but like, what is that exactly? So. In very simple terms, just to describe this, one of the uh, key books that really impacted us was Team of Teams by General Stanley McChrystal. Oh, okay. So in 2003, McChrystal was assigned by then President George W. Bush to go to Iraq and combat Al Qaeda. So he shows up. Jim, with the latest, greatest, you know, mighty military machine, shock and awe, all that stuff. And he's flabbergasted because they're outmaneuvered at every turn by this ragtag bunch of terrorist cells connected together by battered pickup trucks and cell phones. And he... At first couldn't understand what was happening. And you can appreciate when you've grown up in a military culture where you're accustomed to top down command and control, all that, all that stuff. Right. And all of a sudden you have this freewheeling bunch of crazies that are out there and they're, they're essentially outgunning you. And what he came to realize was that he was combating (laughs) nodes in a network He was combating all these terrorist cells that were connected together in just the way I'm describing to you. Now, stop and think about it for a second. They have a common goal, which is to eradicate you know, the U S right eradicate America, Westernism, Uh, Westernism. Right. And they had that common goal. And then a whole bunch of decentralized teams really on the ground who had different areas of focus. And the whole idea was to create this decentralized organic model so that if any one of those terrorist cells gets knocked out, it doesn't knock out the whole network. Well, what ended up happening was over the course of about three years, General McChrystal restructured the entire U.S. military to look like that. And he came to give it a name. He called it Team of Teams. The idea was to have a set of teams that were deployed with specific functional expertise, and then the generals that were, you know, close in rank to McChrystal, their job was to be a team as well, kind of like an executive team that would float and move from one team to the next to make sure that the teams were adequately resourced, that the project work that needed to be done for any given team was adequately handled and dispatched and coordinated, and all of a sudden, they had a very different operating model now the people closest to the ground who saw something happening immediately could respond immediately rather than having to go up the chain of command get approval and get it back down to them
1: okay so we've got that model and as we talk with Chuck Proudfit from at work on purpose in cincinnati ohio but we're in chicago together Talk to us about how that applies then to the body of Christ going on in Cincinnati, this team of teams. How is this working and how will we get this spread across the country? Because there really is a commander in chief in our world. It's the Holy Spirit guiding and directing us. It's our heavenly father and, and, and Jesus Christ. But the team of teams idea is fantastic. If, you get, if we can get ministries working as team of teams across the country, that's amazing.
0: Right. Well, it is, but it's very hard work because it requires relationships and trusting relationships. Mm. And selflessness, probably. Absolutely. So that's been a major area of focus, as you know, Jim, for a long time with us in Cincinnati. But now we had a way to think more holistically about organizing those relationships that would lead to teams of initiative. Now, let me be specific for the listeners. Give some examples. Yeah, we have four specific areas of team activity. So think of these as categories of marketplace ministry. The first category we call mission. So in this category, we have three areas of team focus, purposeful employment, okay. vocational discipleship, All right. and church engagement. All in right. other words, what we're really working on is how can we come alongside the everyday working Christian to bring more purpose to their work, disciple them vocationally in the work that they do, and also engage local churches so that they can more effectively come alongside their congregants, just like you were talking to Charlie Self about that a minute ago, right? right? So these are all teams in the area of mission. Now, we have another Category area we call ministry. This is the the supporting ministry that serves the mission area I just described to you. Mm -hmm. Inside of there is prayer coverage. How are we praying for all the people in these different teams and for the city, Cincinnati, in which we reside? What does it look like for us to set up community events? You know gatherings like uh, what we're here for today, this Faith at Work Summit. doesn't happen by accident. You have teams of people that are organizing and executing against that. And equipping tools. How do we develop specific tools that help to teach people what it looks like to operationalize theology of work? So that's a second area, kind of rounding out this model. Third area is the category of movement. You see, we are just one little part of this much broader move of God in the working world. Right. So inside of this area, which we call movement, we're focused on kingdom enterprise, like the Orca Center that you referenced earlier, mm-hmm. that, that initiative falls under the team area of Kingdom Enterprise in this new model. We also have city transformation, and we have citywide models. So this is our effort with citywide models to start learning about other cities that are doing citywide work and how can we compare notes on best practices. Last but not least is the category of management, and inside of that are a set of teams like a team for strategic direction a team for administrative operations and a team for financial stewardship. Now, all of these teams, if you can imagine them on an org chart, that's horizontal, it's not top down, it's horizontal. And we have an executive team for at work on purpose, which literally moves back and forth to check in with all these Mm. teams in all these categories of mission and ministry and movement and management to make sure that all of that is interconnected and coordinated. Hmm.
1: That's some cool stuff. And what I really want to make sure people know is how to engage with At Work On Purpose, because there are a lot of people listening. They're in lots of cities across the country. You send out newsletters that highlights all the really cool stuff going on. How do people contact you at At Work On Purpose?
0: The easiest way is just to go to the website atworkonpurpose.org. There's a Contact Us button, and we respond promptly to anybody who makes an inquiry.
1: Atworkonpurpose.org. Chuck Proudfoot, thanks for just giving us a brief overview of what's going on. Team of teams when we get you know a year under our belt on team of teams i want to make sure we come back and really talk about that thank you chuck my pleasure thank you you've been listening to i work for him with your host jim and martha brangenberg we're christ followers our workplace it's our mission field but ultimately i, I work, work for, for him, him.